starting up a music entity is like starting a small business and marketing has to be a key piece of it. I've always said, if you've got $10,000 to go make your recording, go spend five grand and save five grand for read every marketing book you can get your hands on and understand that you're just one of hundreds of millions of pieces of music, maybe billions out there. How is anybody going to find you? Who's your potential audience? Where do they hang out? Where do they congregate? How old are they? Are they male or female? Yeah, people just assume, and I understand it, that their music is so good and their family and friends all love it. Why wouldn't everybody love it? But if they don't hear it and know it exists, how can they love it? It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Michael Lasko. So Michael has been helping songwriters, artists, and composers succeed in the music business since 1974. I was born in 1991, so that means that he was in the game making stuff happen for you know decades before I was even born, which is awesome. He spent thousands of hours in the studio working with artists like Neil Young, Crosby Stills, Eric Clapton, many others. And he founded Taxi, which you've probably heard of if you're you know, in the music industry, which is the world's first independent A&R company. They founded it in 1992, and they help independent artists, songwriters, and composers land indie and major record label deals, publishing deals, song cuts, and countless sync placements in TV shows, films, TV commercials, trailers, video games. Basically, it's just a, an opportunity platform for you to be able to connect with people who want your music. So my thought today would be an awesome opportunity to be able to connect with him and do a deep dive on, as a musician, especially as an independent musician, what are some key factors that are gonna allow you to be able to actually get your music placed in those opportunities that you can find on Taxi. So, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. My pleasure, excuse me, <laughs> that's great. Let's have a burp on the first answer. Thanks for having me, Michael. <laughs> awesome, so I would love to start out with just hearing a little bit about your story and how you got started with, with Taxi. It sounds like you know you have a lot of experience in the, in the music industry. All goes back to the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1964. I was nine years old, saw them on the show and turned around and said to my parents, that's what I wanna do when I grow up. Held on to the dream and then eventually let go of it. I went to college, thought I was gonna be an attorney. Stumbled into a, a major recording studio in Miami called Criteria Recording Studios. Uh, pestered the guy who owned it until he gave me a job, low man on the totem pole, and I worked my way up from there. So having worked with a bunch of major artists in my career and kind of learning for, you know, obviously the craft of, of engineering, the craft of production, but the etiquette of dealing with artists, the psychology of working with artists, but in between the big records with the Neil Youngs of the world, I would work with local artists. Sometimes they would come in and do really high level demos of incredibly good music. And then they were like, well, what do I do with it? They couldn't get it to an A&R person at a major label. They couldn't afford to put out their own records back, you know, way before CDs, vinyl was still a big thing. The internet didn't exist. and Years and years later, I, I made records for a long time, then got into doing audio post-production at a very high level in New York City. 
and uh, then ended up in LA running a big post-production company in Hollywood. And one day I just went, you know, I miss working with those independent musicians. Nothing was more, whoops, nothing was more satisfying than Sorry. No Nothing problem. I should also mention that this is like pre-recorded. It's not live or anything. So usually I'll I'll burp. I'll say something stupid, and we'll like we'll be able to edit it out. So yeah, no, don't All worry right. about uh, awesome. any the box <laughs> like that. So I realized how much I enjoyed that moment when a baby band would cut their first rhythm track and get a keeper and come in the control room for a playback. The look on their faces, the goosebumps they experienced gave me such joy in, in being able to deliver a great product to them. And it was always heartbreaking that they could never do anything with it. I felt guilty taking their money to do the sessions, knowing that they would hit a dead end. So I always kept it in the back of my mind. It'd be cool if somebody solved that problem. I was working at a large post-production company, general manager of the company, and probably mid to late 1991 didn't love my boss to be honest and i flashed back on working with those indie artists and one day i just said you know what i'm walking away from a six-figure job with a company bmw i had an apartment in la an apartment in new york offices on both coasts living the life and i just you know gambled it all on this thing called taxi had the idea in a flash wrote a business plan in, I don't know, 24 to 48 hours of barely getting up from the computer. Got funded for the startup about a week later from one of my oldest, dearest friends in the world who had an incredible set of balls. <laughs> he would give me a big wad of cash to start the, it wasn't that big, but it was, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to start the company with. And that was uh, late 1991. The decision was made to do it. And we officially became a company in early 1992. And classic, you know, out of a one bedroom apartment. And here we are. That's so cool. Th thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were talking a little bit backstage just about this process of you know, starting from humble beginnings and kind of working your way, working your way up. And it does seem like so much of the game is just you know, showing up and putting yourself out there, putting yourself in the right place at the right time, and then being willing to you know, work hard and, and level up from there. Yeah. Most people have the dream and when they realize how much work it takes to actually achieve the dream, it's like, yeah, there are a million excuses why it didn't work out for me. But them, the the main reason is they walked off the field before the game was over. Mm, absolutely. So, you know, now ha having had the experience of, you know, both working with so many artists in terms of production and working on their music and kind of having that aha moment where you, where you realize, gosh, there's so much good music, but there's this gap between them being able to like fully utilize it. It's interesting because, I mean, that's you know, kind of similar to how it is nowadays, even with the Internet and even with like all of these, the social media, the ability to actually reach out. There's so much music and so much talented music that doesn't really get seen or doesn't you know connect with people. I'd be curious to hear your perspective on what are some of the biggest mistakes or challenges that you see musicians struggling with right now when it comes to you know getting their music that they've invested so much time and energy and in, in their craft into actually you know heard and getting it placed on different opportunities for tv and film i'm searching for exactly the right words because i want to get this right in a short sentence it's because they believe in their own music so strongly and think so highly of their own music which they should that they think that 
everybody else is going to hear it and see it the way they do. And just because it's great music, people are going to find them just like I thought having a great idea for a company like Paxi, everybody would be to path to my door. Mm-hmm. They don't equate starting up a music entity is like starting a small business and marketing has to be a key piece of it. I've always said, if you've got $10,000 to go make your recording, go spend five grand and save five grand for read every marketing book you can get your hands on and understand that you're just one of hundreds of millions of pieces of music, maybe billions out there. How is anybody going to find you? Who's your potential audience? Where do they hang out? Where do they congregate? How old are they? Are they male or female? Yeah, people just assume, and I understand it, that their music is so good and their family and friends all love it. Why wouldn't everybody love it? But if they don't hear it and know it exists, how can they love it? So that was, you know, look, I'm going to be completely candid here. There are a few people online right now that are in a weird way competing with Taxi. They're selling, you know, lists of music supervisors, lists of production music libraries. It's like, well, why would you need a company that acts as a middleman when you can do this yourself? And it's true, you can do it yourself. But do you have the wherewithal, the time wherewithal, the financial wherewithal, the skills to do that? So that's why I started Taxi. And just by coincidence, under a pile of stuff here on my desk, I'm not just going to show up. We the sent second this, best way. Yeah, we sent this brochure out for 15 years back when we were still mailing paper brochures. Taxi is the second best way to get a record publishing or film and TV deal. And you open it up and the very first paragraph says the best way is do it yourself. However, if you have a family, a mortgage, a job, all the grown-up responsibilities that most people have in life, you may not have the time to do all the businessy stuff that is necessary to build a career for yourself. And that's the problem I was solving with Taxi. What about somebody who's talented and has the technical capability with a home studio, which almost everybody has now, but yet they don't know how to write a good email or they don't know what a good subject line is that's going to get somebody to open that email or they don't know. A lot of people think I'm going to put send them 10 songs, put my best one last to leave them with a great impression. They'll never get to the last one unless the first one is amazing. So all those little mistakes, that's the market that I wanted to serve with Taxi. And here we are 31 years later. Awesome. I love that brochure. The second, the second best way. Like if I saw that, I'd be like, I need to read this. I like, I need, right. like what, where, what's the angle here? Yeah. What's the um, first best? Everybody wants to know that. And you know what? I learned that from a taxi member named Sig Rosenblum, who I believe has passed away, but he was one of those old school New York City direct mail copywriters. And he called me one day and said, your marketing's not that good. Can I help you? And I flew to New York the next day, spent eight hours sitting in a booth at a restaurant with him. And he was the one that encouraged me to spend all my time on writing great headlines. So he inspired me to write that. Thank you, Sig. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, the headline is just such a powerful leverage point, right? It's one of the first things you see. It really, it can, it can either hook you, it can either bring you in or not. Same thing with email subject lines. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that, you know, one of the biggest challenges that musicians are struggling with nowadays is sort of, you, know, you invest so much time and energy and, and passion into your music and, you know, you should be proud of it, but it's not enough to just you know, have the music. If, if all you do is make the music, it's not a case of build it and they will come. But you actually have to figure out how to get 
the music in front of the right people and how to connect with people that are actually going to resonate with it. And it's, you know, you can't necessarily assume they're just going to come to you, but you actually need to get good at marketing. Yeah. What, and, a, what an analogy. You can't learn it from a five minute video on YouTube. It's a lifelong pursuit, as you well know. Mm. Yeah. You said how, how many marketing books have you read now? Over 800. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to that publicly, but it is, <laughs> not, it's over 800. To be, I mean, nothing to be embarrassed about there. I mean, that's that's a testament to you know, what you've built and, and your success. And you know, the, the analogy that, that, that we use for artists sometimes that totally goes in line with the idea you're talking about is that it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you want to build a fire and in the analogy, your songs are sort of like the logs for the fire, then... Yeah, it's great to have really good fuel, to have really good logs for the fire. But if all you do is kind of put the logs in the fire pit and sit next to it, then nothing's going to happen because the fire doesn't just magically start. Every once in a while, like maybe you'll hear a story about lightning strikes and it's just lucky, but it's just, you know, that's not really something you can rely on. And it sounds like what you're saying is you, know, you need to figure out how to drive traffic or, or how to generate the, the flames, how to generate the spark because it's not enough just to have the logs, but you actually need a way to generate the, the fire yeah. at the same time. You need a match, you need kindling, you need lighter fluid, you need all those things because you're right. The, you know, interesting that you use the lightning striking analogy. I think most people are so confident in their music that they believe lightning will strike for them, even though they know statistically it's one in a million for everybody else, but not for me, my music's awesome. And again, I understand that if they didn't believe in their own music, then that would be pretty sad. But lightning ain't going to strike. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's so much easier. It's so much more reliable and you can make a predictable, you can do things in a more predictable way if you're not relying on the lightning, but instead you're learning how to you know, generate, generate the flames. And, you know, it seems like what, what you've built with taxi is sort of this, this fire of opportunities that already exists. And, and you're saying, you know, rather you can either go build your own fire, right? You can spend all this time and energy, you know, kind of crafting your fire, which is, you know, a great, you know, if, if you have the time and energy to do that, awesome. Or, you know, you can find a fire that's already going. And if you put your logs next to that fire, then it's a way to be able to leverage this existing community and relationships and be able to, you know, kind of start your fire in, in a quicker way. Yeah. I, if you started out today as somebody brand new to it and you had the music done and let's say you wanted to get it into a production music library or with a music licensing company or a music supervisor, there's so many things to consider. It's like, where are they at in their cycle? Do Let's say you make instrumental dramedy cues, kind of like that sneaking around, peeking in windows stuff, do, 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 you know, little pizzicato string things. It's used all the time. You could reach out to a hundred libraries, hundred production music libraries or a hundred music music supervisors, you would have to reach out to a big number of them to find out, do you need dramedy music today, right now? Because you could have the world's greatest dramedy and send it out to all those people, which would take an enormous amount of time just to figure out who they are and then get it out to them. But if they don't need it, it's like, it would be like me sending you, I'm going to send you a 50 caliber machine gun. I'm pretty sure you don't need one. Maybe you do. I don't know your neighbors, but you know, it's just like it could be the best 50 caliber machine gun in the world. But if it's something that you would never use or have no need for, why? So that's what Taxi does is we've developed 31 years of relationships with people all over the industry, whether it's record labels, publishing companies, music supervisors, et cetera. 
and they tell us when they need something specific. So we do all that legwork. And then we also teach our members how to be better business people, how to deliver stuff on time, how to not leave five seconds of dead air at the beginning of a piece of music, which a lot of people do, how to get your meta tagging done right so that your music is easily findable in a search. Just all these myriad things that go into success. It's not merely about is the music great. That's a given. That That's the foundation for everything is the music's got to be really good. And then you have to make all these other things happen things happen in order for it to get heard and get used and get you a check, which is the ultimate goal, I think. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of music mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And so, so it sounds like what you're saying is that the music is really just sort of the baseline and, and you do need the great music in order to be competitive. But, you know, again, just like the logs aren't enough by themselves. You need to figure out a way to generate flames or put it next to a fire that's already going in order to actually light, light your own fire. Yep. So you know, having, you know, having had so much experience now seeing which artists get selected for opportunities on taxi and seeing which artists have, have struggled and which artists, you know, aren't getting selected. I'm, I'm curious if you have, if you've noticed any patterns or if, or if you see any common mistakes when it comes to artists submitting music specifically for TV and film, perhaps. Do you have any t tips for them when it comes to being selected for those opportunities? If we're talking songs, let's talk about songs first and then maybe hit on instrumentals. So songs, most people confuse great music with usable music. So let's say you're a guitar shredding kind of person and you do incredibly good like Joe Satriani kind of stuff and a bit of music and you 
found a music supervisor. You Googled Hollywood music supervisors and, oh, look, here's a guy working on a movie right now, which timing is everything. But let's assume that your time, your luck was good. This person's working on a film right now. They're in post-production. They're getting ready to put music in. They've probably had several spotting sessions and meetings with the, the music supervisor and the film's director and producer. And you go, well, they're in post-production, they need music, I'm going to send them my latest shred, <laughs> whatever my latest song is with me just like standing up there with my chest out going, the movie is about a horrible relationship between a father and a son. And the dad died four days ago and the son just went and buried his dad today. And the scene is the kid doing the last shovel of dirt on the grave. And then he gets in the black Cadillac and he rides back to the family's house and he goes up into his bedroom. He's sitting on the edge of the bed with his face buried in his hands, thinking there's so much I wanted to say to my dad, so many regrets that I have. What kind of music goes there? It sure isn't Joe Satriani. So I'm hearing music now. Oh, you're playing. Okay. I thought I had. <laughs> what yeah. kind of music goes there? I was just adding a little bit right. of a little bit of stuff. So that you're exactly right, but that that made the point, which is you don't need Joe Satriani. That would people would raise an eyebrow and go, what the heck was that? Where you need something that's somber and regretful and a certain amount of introspection and makes you get a lump in your throat and really feel for this kid that he didn't get a chance to say goodbye or the things that he needed to say to his dad. So again, you could have music that makes Joe Satriani look like he's just starting out. You are a better guitar player and better songwriter than Joe Satriani or whomever. And they're not going to rewrite the script. They're not going to reshoot the scene and they're not going to re-edit the movie because they heard a great guitar song like that. They're looking for something that accomplishes all those emotional and, and scenic aspects of that scene. Mm. That totally makes sense. Yes. Do you want to now talk about, so that was from the songwriter's perspective. Um, mm. If I may, I'd like to address it from the instrumental perspective. Mm. A lot of people don't know that there's a difference between an instrumental and an instrumental cue. An instrumental is basically laid out more like a song where it's probably got an intro and a verse and a chorus and a bridge and a chorus. Typical song elements, probably in a similar order that you would find those things in, but it doesn't have a lead vocal. And because it doesn't have a lead vocal, it is now without a melody. So it sounds kind of like a rhythm track without a melody and it sounds a little empty. So then people try and put in the entire melody that the vocal would have done with a lead instrument, whether it's like a saxophone or a guitar or whatever. And it ends up sounding like 101 strings doing a cover of yesterday by the Beatles. It, it just doesn't sound very good. It sounds like elevator music. So people who want to take an instrumental and make it film and TV friendly would do what I call melody light, maybe just hitting a note or two of the melody at the beginning of the bar, each bar, you know, but not the full melody, just enough to give it a little forward movement and momentum. Mm -hmm. An instrumental cue, oh, and by the way, typically instrumentals are typically two to three and a half minutes long, give or take. An instrumental cue 
is music that is specifically written for film and TV. It's not written in the same form as an instrumental or a song would be. And typically it's all one section, an A section, which more often than not is somewhat reflective of what the chorus would be in a song. It doesn't have a 30 second intro. It might have like a brrr, boom right into it, a little drum turn at the beginning or a couple of little grace notes or something, but right into here's what it is. And then four bars later, a couple more instruments are added. Four bars later, a couple more instruments are added. And that's how an instrumental cue develops a, what we call a, a, a developmental arc. It keeps moving forward and keeps growing until it doesn't. Then it drops back down and goes skinny again with just a couple of basic instruments. And then you build it back up again and you build and you build and you build and you end it on a buttoned ending or a stinger ending, which is bump. So it makes it easy for the editor to cut. So it's a whole different animal. Yes, they are both instrumentals without a vocal, but they are different. And uh, so people making great music need to know these things. Otherwise, they'll see, oh, a director is looking for an instrumental cue for this TV show or a movie. And they will take their song that is on their album that they did five years ago, pressed up 500 CDs at Disc Makers, sold 25 of them. And they're going to try and find another way to monetize those sessions by stripping out the vocals, sending it in to that director for the movie. But it's it's not in the right form. Therefore, it's unusable. So hmm. I hope I answered the question. <laughs> yeah, that's that's super helpful. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that it's an instrumental just purely like stripping out the lead vocal can be helpful sometimes. But a lot of times it's even more helpful if, if you can create a version of the song that's an instrumental cue, which is, you know, instead of 30 seconds of kind of building up or lose space, like it actually goes directly into the chorus, into an A section, and it, and it kind of builds up over time. So in your experience, when, if artists are looking to write instrumental cues for syncing them into TV and film, do they generally have the best luck by sitting down and specifically deciding, you know what, let's write instrumental cues, let's just write a bunch of different ideas for these and let's be intentional about writing them that way? Or do you find that that a lot of artists will take their existing songs and kind of skip to the chorus and create a different version of it based on those existing songs? fitting a square peg in a round hole usually doesn't work and that's what you when you're taking existing stuff and trying to edit it or remix it or modify it in some way to make it work for film and tv rarely works honestly the most successful taxi members which maybe answers your question even more directly our most successful members actually write to the request that we get from the industry. And I know your listeners might be going, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have the ability to, somebody's looking for mid to up-tempo pop rock, acoustic pop rock instrumentals that sound like you might hear on HGTV when they do the, and here's your new home reveal, something light and uplifting and happy and revelatory, hoping that you've got something and people will go, well, this could be seen like that. I think I could make it work for that. It won't. Being able to write to that and knowing that you would use mostly major chords and a certain tempo range and this instrumentation works well for that. Those are all the things that you kind of need to learn in order to really do well in the film and TV industry. And you need the speed to turn things around quickly because it's not like, can you get me this for my movie in nine months? It's usually, can you get me this in 48 hours or in two weeks or a month at the outside. 
So learning how to interpret the need, be realistic in how you're interpreting the need. Don't, well, I know they're asking for this, but I really do that better. So I'm going to send them that. They're going to hear how incredibly good I am at doing that thing. And they're, again, going to change the scene or change the script or edit the movie. No, you've, you've got to be able, I use the shoe store analogy. I sold shoes when I was a teenager. Somebody comes in and says, I need a ladies size seven and a half B pump with a three and a half inch heel in beige. And I bring out a Basswegian penny loafer in Cordovan nine and a half D. The lady would look at me and rightfully so and go, what? That's a great looking shoe, but not what I need because I needed a lady shoe in a seven and a half B. This is nine and a half D, blah, blah, blah. Same thing, film and TV, just give them what they ask for. It's so much more productive and dramatically increases your chances of having success if you're simply giving people what they need because that's what they write checks for. Mm. That totally makes sense. Yeah, so so it sounds like what you're saying is is when someone makes a request or when they you know, when they're looking for something specifically, instead of trying to mold and kind of fit something that's not really what they're looking for and trying to make it into what they're looking for. If you're able to really sit with the request and and figure out how you can craft the music specifically for it, then that's really the the people who are having the most success on on taxi and being able to serve that that need for the people who are asking for it. Yeah. And and they figure things out like if if they prefer to do a lot of hip hop cues, which we get a lot of requests for, almost every reality show has some form of hip hop cues in it, very popular. Mm -hmm. um, once you figure out what your kick drum sound is and your snare and, and you know your hi-hats and, and your synth pads and what have you, keep templates of that stuff. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. You need to reinvent the mood. I need dark, moody hip hop, or I need uplifting, anthemic hip hop, or I need hip hop that would be really good for a sports highlight thing, or I need hip hop for a scene where there's just been a drive-by shooting and the bad guys are driving away. You can still use those same sounds and that same templated session in your DAW and, and just change the chords and change the melody to change the feel and the emotion and the ultimate use. So these are the little tricks of the trade that our successful members have, have learned over time. And, and frankly, it's a lot of what we do at Taxi, which is, guys, it's not just about making great music. It's about making the right music at the right time that is also great. Mm. Awesome. Super smart. And, you know, and it seems like that's for a lot of musicians who are maybe like at the, at a point where they're looking at wanting to improve their craft or they're looking at improving their chops with production and this would be a great opportunity to explore you know different styles of music and doing it in a way that's actually based on a need and based on what people are actually asking for and and then having like you said having those templates having those sessions you might stumble across some sounds or across some instruments that you love working with and then you know if you want to create an original song now you have more experience and you have these templates and, and kind of the sessions set up so you can actually create you know different songs based on what you've created to to serve the need in the first place yeah very cool it, it's quite simple but most people just don't know about it it's interesting too because you know, i'm sure you could spend a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to like you said fit a square peg in a round hole 
and having that ability to actually like listen and see like what's needed and how can I serve the need that people are asking for seems like that's just sort of a magic skill or mindset to take in any industry when it comes to any business is that you listen you figure out what's what's the need where can I serve where can I serve here and you've essentially created a megaphone for artists to be able to like listen and be like what is the need because there's a bunch yeah. of people asking and they're saying exactly what they need what a what a cool resource and we give them references beyond just the the written description which are quite specific basically any music supervisor that's come in contact with taxi they look at our briefs and go wow you guys write better briefs than i've ever seen anywhere before so much detail in it and we give references so okay you don't understand the difference between west coast hip-hop and east coast hip-hop or old school and, and contemporary stuff listen to the references and make the decision can i do this am i competent enough in this genre or am i close in other genres that it wouldn't be much of a stretch for me to do that sort of thing You've got it right in front of you. You know, it's literally a roadmap with a giant red arrow going, do this, do this. <laughs> cool. You know, it reminds me of when I was first learning how to produce music for our band, I would do these like recreations of popular songs. And I would basically just load the, set, the song into the session. And I would try to recreate the song as closely as possible as I could with the existing instruments that I had. And, you know, it wasn't perfect and I couldn't get back to the original song, but, you know, after I did that, I would have these sessions with these, with these instruments and with mm -hmm. the ability to be able to use these in different ways. And really that was like one of the best ways that I grew from not being able to produce music at all to in a short amount of time, being able to produce music at a pretty competent, competent level. And so it seems like that's a great, again, like you said, a, a roadmap to be able to have yeah. references and be able to, to, you know, to take pieces of what's working right now and be able to make them your own. So really, really cool. So maybe you could share a little bit more about Taxi and if you have any other tips for anyone who, again, you've, you've, you've had a lot of experience being able to see which opportunities are chosen, which artists are having the most success. And it seems like the ones who are most adaptive are able to listen and be able to present that are, is one key. Do you have any other piece of advice or keys that you've seen help that kind of separate the artists who are the most successful versus the ones who have who've struggled? Work ethic, obviously. If you submit three things a year and go, man, I can't believe it. I signed up for taxi and didn't get a deal. Well, three submissions is not going to get you a deal. And some people might see that as, oh, Lasco's trying to get people to make a lot of submissions. Well, any of our successful members, and there are, are literally thousands of them, would all tell you the same thing in, in that, the once again, the music is a given, but it's a numbers game. The more at-bats you have, the more chances you have of hitting a home run, or e you know, even a, a, a ground ball that gets you to first. But if you're not standing up there with a bat on your shoulder, and taking the swing, you, you can't have success. So that's number one probably is just being in it on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, reaching for a prop. Our members came up with this slogan and it became a bumper sticker that they give out to each other at our convention, the road rally. And it says, write, submit, forget, and repeat. In other words, write it, submit it, forget you made the submission and move on to the next thing. Just keep cranking them out and then repeat. Obviously it's a play on words from wash, rinse and repeat. 
So being productive is one. Working in a genre that's often used and you are competent in is a really good place to be. Not a lot of requests for, you know, Joe Satriani, Joe Satriani kind of stuff or Steve Vai kind of stuff because a lot of busy guitar stuff in there that's in the uh, uh, an EQ range or a uh, part of the spectrum that competes with the, the human voice. So those things don't get used all that often in film and TV because they compete with the human voice. So while you might be really good at doing that style, it's a style that's probably not going to make you a lot of money. So then look inside yourself and go, okay, well, I've got really good guitar chops. What genre of music gets used a lot that requires good guitar chops? Well, basic hard rock gets used a lot for like sports TV promos. So you could adapt. You, you, you used the A word about a minute ago. You said something about adaptability, I believe. And, and that's part of it. It's like, okay, well, this is what I normally do, but I could also do that. And there's a market for that. So identifying a market that you're competent in goes a very, very, very long way. Those are probably my best two pieces of advice. Do it with, do it on the regular and do what people need that you're good at. Mm, super smart. Yeah, you know, there was, a, oops, there was a, a study that I heard of with a teacher who did an experiment with their schoolroom where they split the room into two different sections. And it was, a, it was like a pottery class. And they wanted to see which section would get the best quality pots by the end of the semester. And with like side A, they, they said, you know, you have as much time as you want, but you, ha you have this one pot that you're going to craft. And then with side B, they said you can craft as many pots as you want, but, you know, you want to do as quickly as possible. And, and at the end of the semester, they compared the two, the two different sides, you know, and this one had spent all of their time, all of the energy, just like trying to perfect this one perfect pot. And the other one was just like exactly what you said, like rinse and repeat. They just kept doing it over and over again. They they created the pot, they you know, spit it, it, they forgot it, they kept going. And it was night and day. It wasn't even close. By the end of it, the students who had improved the most, the ones who had the best pots by far in terms of quality were the ones who had had been through the iterations many, many, many more times, right? They had created a ton of pots and through doing that had kind of crafted their, their skill. And so it sounds like what you just said was it was really a testament to that idea of, you know, you get better, you, that quality, you, you have to step up to the plate in order to be able to hit a ball. But every single time you do that, you're going to be honing your craft. And, and that's, that's a much right. better way to do it than just trying to perfect, you know, your, your one, one, one thing for a year. Fail yeah. fast, fail often, and you'll get better with every failure. <laughs> and you will have a lot of failures. We do have maybe 3% of our members or something, you know, get lucky or, or for whatever stars align for them, have success early in their memberships. The vast majority of people, it takes time. They have to fail a lot and they hold it against taxi. Oh, your screeners don't know what they're, they wouldn't know a good piece of music had jumped up and bit them on the butt or the people you forwarded it to in the industry didn't reach out to me. Clearly, they don't know what good music is. No, it wasn't something that they could use to make their thing better or make money with. Otherwise, trust me, they would have reached out to you. So you just have to keep swinging at the ball. And eventually, you're going to get good enough that you're going to hit home runs. And after you hit one, you go, okay, I remember the speed I swung at. 
I remember where the bat was, how, you know, what level the bat was at and, and all that stuff becomes ingrained and becomes part of muscle memory essentially. And it's repeatable and then you can do it faster and more often. And that's, we've got members that are making six figure incomes working eight to 12 hours a day doing what I affectionately call stupid little instrumental cues that you might hear on a reality show like The Bachelor or The Kardashians or HGTV. Look at that new kitchen. And they got there the first year, maybe they made nothing. Second year, maybe two or three hundred dollars. But they got they smelled what they smelled blood in the water. I made a couple hundred bucks, not enough to you know be life changing but I did get paid. And the next year they make 2,200. And the year after that, they make 18,000. The year after that, they make 40,000. The year after that, they make 21,000. Maybe they had a slow year or the market changed or something. But those are the people that eventually get to that six figure goal, which I've always been a huge fan of the idea of musicians should get be able to earn a living like a plumber, an electrician, a computer programmer, anybody else that has a skill. Why don't musicians get paid equivalently for their skill? Well, there is a way, but creative people tend to think that their output is just so charming and so wonderful that the world will beat a path to them. It's about giving the industry what it needs and doing it on a regular basis. And eventually they will beat a path to you because you'll become their go-to person. Awesome. So good. Awesome. Well, hey, Michael, thank you again so much for taking the time to, to come on here and, and share some of the lessons that you've learned. And I feel like there's a good mix of both like mindset and and like really like marketing wisdom that you've learned from 800 plus you know marketing books of, of really you know being able to listen to the market and listen to what people need and be able to serve that. And, and also a lot of practical you know, tips to be able to make sure they can shorten the time frame that they, that they need in order to actually get selected for an opportunity. So thanks so much for the platform you've built and coming on here and sharing some of the lessons that they've learned. For anyone that's listening or watching this right now, if they're interested in learning more about Taxi or submitting for one of the opportunities, what would be the best place for them to go to learn more? Taxi.com. It's that simple. Taxi.com. Yep. Four, four letters and you're there. No pun intended. I just thought like four letters and you're there. Yeah. It's like taxis go get you from here to there. You know um, that taxi, well, that's why I came up with the name. I, I literally had the idea at like 6 a.m. And, and kicked my wife's foot, you know, under the cover said, I've got it. I've got it. I'm going to call the company taxi. And she's like, why did you wake me up for that? And I said, because it gets you from where you are to where you want to go. And everybody knows the word. Turns out it, it's one of only nine words on the planet that is universal to almost every country on the planet Earth. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. I, I did not know that. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Michael, great, great connecting with you. I highly encourage anyone who hasn't checked out Taxi yet. We'll have the link in the show notes. You can go check it out, look at the opportunities. And you know, whether you're using it as, as a platform to be able to hone your craft and hone your skills and get better at production based on what the market actually needs, or if you're, you're really looking at doing this long term and, and you take Michael's advice and you carve out some space and time to, you know, quote unquote, create as many pots as, as possible and submit as, as much as possible. I definitely encourage you to, to check it out and spend for the opportunities. And so, yeah, Michael, thank you again for taking the time to be here today. Thank you for having me. And if I might add one very short thing, people can go to the website and sign up to get the daily emails that will tell them what the industry is looking for, whether they pay for the service or not. 
they can see what the industry needs, they can hear the examples, and they can use that whether they join Taxi or not. So there you go. Thanks again for having me, Michael. Cool. Oh, man, thank, thank you for sharing that. What a cool resource. Because again, it's like you know, the ability to be able to listen, the ability to be able to listen and actually hear and see what what's needed, but how can I how can I serve is easily one of the most important things that really that you need to be able to to be successful in any market. You need to be able to understand what are, what do people need. So the fact that you're serving that, and you're letting people sign up for free to be able to get that is awesome. So cool. We got the we got the links in the show notes, and so you'll be able to click on those for easy access. And until next time. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.